Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The 124th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett. Can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive, gets it back out to him. Long outside shot, short rebounded. May, it's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews. Off the mark, and this year the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. I am now joined by Adam Lucas, co-host of the Carolina Insider Podcast and writer for GoHeels.com. Adam, good afternoon. How's it going today, man? Doing great, Josh. How about you? I can't complain too much. So, I, uh, I I gave you about three weeks or so to, to really wind down from the bizarre run that Carolina went on during the NCAA tournament. Looking back on it now, does it still feel real that the Tar Heels made the run to the national title game despite being out of the tournament, uh, according to most people, in the middle of February? No, I don't think any of us are ever going to wind down from that one, Josh, as long as we can go back and watch those games on YouTube and as I'm sure we've all done at least a couple times already, uh, certainly some specific ones, um, that makes it a, a little more real. But I, I don't think anybody would tell you that they would have ever believed in mid-January that we'd be having the conversation that we're having here in late April. I like to talk to you because you usually make me feel a lot better about about the Tar Heels whenever they're going through a bad stretch because you're, you're overall a pretty optimistic guy. When did you believe that Carolina was more than capable of making their eventual run to the Final Four? That's a tough one. I mean, I don't know that I ever really even considered the Final Four until the Tar Heels beat Baylor. Uh, because anytime you're staring at the defending national champion right there in your second game of the NCAA tournament, um, I don't think you want to look too far down the road. Now, I do think once the Tar Heels won at Louisville and at Clemson and then followed that up with the road win at Virginia Tech, I think they were kind of quietly showing that they were a little tougher than maybe some people thought they were, but they were so far under the radar by that point in time that people just kind of ignored them. Um, but I, I think those road wins were, were a pretty positive sign. Armando Baycott had a individually a, a you know a spectacular season. He set the Carolina record for most double-doubles in the history of the program. He tied David Robinson for the most double-doubles in the history of Division One college basketball. Is there any reasonable way to put into words what Armando Baycott accomplished this past season? I think the best way is what you just said, Josh, that he tied David Robinson and a record that stood for 35 years 
and a record Armando himself didn't even really know existed until he was right on top of it. Uh, but I, I do think it's fair to say now he, he is well aware of that record and he wants to go break it next season and have an even better year and get his jersey up there in the rafters. It's it's there's no way you can deny that Carolina doesn't make the Final Four. They don't come as close to maybe winning a national title without Brady Manick, who was the transfer in from Oklahoma. Um, we we just had one season with him, but he he accomplished a lot in his one season with Carolina. It was a big part of their run. What will his legacy be at Carolina, despite being a transfer in the program for just one season? I think he his legacy is he's the perfect fit, and anytime for the next ten years, Carolina is looking for a player. In the transfer portal, the conversation is going to be, could we just find a Brady Manic? Uh, not just from the, the way he plays, but just the kind of teammate he was, the influence he was in the locker room, the impact he had on everybody else. Um, that's something that you just can't quantify when you're going through these short transfer recruiting periods. Uh, and his just turned out to be even better than anyone could have anticipated. There's no denying that there were harsh words said at times about Leaky Black, about Caleb Love, and I, I myself was very much guilty um, of, of saying some of those negative things. What was it like from your perspective seeing the fan base turn from a negative standpoint to a positive standpoint about those two Tar Heels specifically? Yeah, it's hard to know. I don't know that I really feel that the fan base as a whole was negative towards both of them. I, I think that the way they play kind of encourages negative people to be even more negative because they do do some things that don't always work out great. Uh, Leaky doesn't shoot the ball great. Everybody realizes that, but he had been doing some of these similar things in the last couple of years, just not as consistently as he did at the end of the year. And Caleb Love, I mean, I, I don't know how many players Carolina's had like him who it doesn't matter if he's 0 for 12 or 11 for 12 that 13th shot he's going to take and he thinks it's going in uh, and he's not going to hesitate about taking it. So he's just a different kind of player um, and certainly one who who took and made some enormous shots for the Tar Heels down the stretch. Let's talk about Caleb Love and some of his shot making. That shot over Mark Williams in the Final Four is going to be an all-timer. For you, where does it rank among the all-time great shots in Carolina basketball history? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you've got to kind of use the framework of Roy Williams' era forward. And I'd, I'd throw in there the Raymond Felton shot over the shutdown man, as Billy Packer called him in 2005 against Illinois. That was a huge shot that helped Carolina win a national title. Uh, I think Marvin Williams' tip-in against Duke at the Smith Center, not like a, a great shot in terms of distance or, or I was going to say degree of difficulty, but honestly, that was a difficult shot. Uh, but just in terms of ramifications, that was a huge one. Of course, Luke May shot against Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And then I think Caleb's shot is kind of the outlier because it didn't lead directly to a national title. But uh, nobody is ever going to forget that that shot essentially retired Mike Krzyzewski in the biggest game in the history of the Carolina-Duke rivalry. So I think it every bit goes on the level with those other three shots, and I wouldn't want to have to pick between them, and I certainly wouldn't want to have to do without any of those four and change Tar Heel history and take any one of those four away. Carolina had an up-and-down season the first two and a half to three months. It wasn't great, but that last month and a half was as much fun as we've had as, as basketball fans since that 2017 run to the national championship. When we look back at the 2021-22 Carolina basketball team, how will they ultimately be remembered? They're going to be remembered for that last month or so, about four or five weeks, because they gave us three of the the best wins that that most of us as Carolina fans have seen. The the win at Cameron, 
mm-hmm. the win over Baylor in which everything went right and then everything went wrong and then somehow they pulled it out and then the win over Duke in the Final Four, which I just don't think you can find a, a more impactful game that wasn't for a national title. And they did all that in the span of a month. I mean, that's that's like a decade's worth of signature wins, and they did it in four or five weeks. So I think that's that's their legacy. A couple more, Adam, and I'll get you out of here. Carolina did all of this. And they won 29 games. They made the national championship. They went 15-5 and in the ACC with a first-time head coach and a guy in early February we all had questions about, but at, by come April we were all pretty much convinced that Hubert Davis was and is the right man for the job. What did you learn about Hubert Davis during the course of the season? Man, he really knows basketball, Josh. I mean, he the way he adjusted some of the things he was doing in November and December to fit Carolina's personnel in February and March, that – that is what propelled Carolina to the heights that that team reached and the flexibility he has, the the knowledge of the game that goes beyond just the, the Carolina style, but all the different NBA styles he played for and the willingness to implement that to, to fit what works best for this year's personnel made me excited about what we're going to see in future years because I think what we've seen is he's not particularly wed to any one particular system. He's going to use what he feels best maximizes the talent that he's got in his rotation. Roy Williams was favorite for his Roy-isms, as we like to call him. You followed around Hubert Davis for roughly five to six months. What was your favorite Hubert-ism you, you, you picked up over the course of the season? Well, I think there's two. I think the the one – the kind of the phrase that's going to stay with me the longest is the one he said the most, which is keep your eyes straight ahead, ignore all sideshow distractions. Mm-hmm. Uh, he repeated that over and over. But if I had to pick one word that I'm not sure I knew prior to these last six months that now I think of all the time, it's bejeebies. Uh, and, and that's, he used that in a, a variety of ways. And as we know, Hubert Davis doesn't curse. He didn't order one, uh, he didn't utter one curse word this entire basketball season, but he said a few bejeebies and, uh, and it was always entertaining to see how he could work that in. Final one for you, Adam. Four starters are coming back for next season. Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Leaky Black, and Armando Baycott for a team that was minutes away from winning a national championship. Is it fair to say that next season is national championship or bust for Carolina basketball? Absolutely not. I think that's one of the most unfair things that people can say about any team, whether it's Carolina or anybody that has to play in a one-and-out tournament because it's so important the matchups that you get i mean if carolina hadn't gotten baylor as its one seed i think any of the other one seeds could have been a really tough matchup in that second round game and we're we're not having this conversation we're just talking about kind of an average year so it's all about matchups it's all about who's playing well and it's so so hard to win a national championship which is why of course it's painful to get that close and not close it out Uh, but it, it doesn't matter who you bring back you still have to go out and play, and Carolina's going to be the hunted next season, whereas they snuck up on some people this year, and that's just going to totally change things. Expectations are different. The, the whole thing is different. And I think that anyone that assumes that, oh, they'll just jump right in and do it again, just like those guys did in 2017, it, it, it's not that easy. And it's it, and you'd be missing out on a heck of a fun season if you spend the whole season thinking about, well, we won't really know how we feel until April. There, there's a long way to go before then and a, a lot of big games, a lot of records to be set, uh, hopefully a lot of big wins. I mentioned you're a writer for GoHeels.com and you're the co-host of the Carolina Insider Podcast. Where can Tar Heel fans catch and find all of your great coverage of Carolina basketball? 
it all finds its way to Twitter at J Adam Lucas at some point. Uh, but we always, of course, appreciate folks downloading the podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever they listen. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The NBA playoffs mean next-level basketball. Get in on the first-round action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet during the first round with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, place a same-game parlay each day with three or more legs and get up to $25 in free bets back if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. That stands for the Basketball Podcasting Network. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of the NBA playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. There you go, guys. That was Adam Lucas, as I mentioned, Go Heels writer and co-host of the Carolina Insider Podcast. As we're starting to finally look back at this previous basketball season, now that we have answers um, from from, Car- you know, from from Carolina basketball players that are going to be back for next season. We're going to start looking back uh, at this year and getting you ready for next season. That is going to wrap up this edition of the show. We do encourage you guys to go to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. We'll be breaking down Gigi Jackson's commitment, whether it's to Carolina or elsewhere. Other news for Carolina basketball as Kerwin Walton is entering the NBA draft process. There is a potential transfer target on Carolina's radar. Football side of things, big week for them in the portal as well. They've added two and lost one. And so got you covered with that. Any other news and notes that will happen for football or basketball, we'll keep you up to date on HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. You can like and review the podcast. But most importantly, we encourage you guys, hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball off season. We're just going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Adam Lucas once again for joining me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.